Now you'd almost think that Graham and I have been collaborating during the week because we're going back to that passage that Graham has read for us already from the Gospel of John chapter 21. If you read through the Gospel of John and you come to chapter 20, you'd almost think that that would be where the Gospel would finish. It, it draws it to a really lovely conclusion, even with that. Um, it's the second time the Lord has appeared to his disciples and the first time Thomas was absent and now a week later he appeared to them again and the eleven are there, Judas Iscariot of course was not but um, uh, as we've been reminded this morning when uh, Thomas saw the wounds uh, he was so overcome, my Lord and my God and so then it just goes on to say to conclude that chapter and truly Jesus did many other things in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God and that believing you may have life in his name so as I say the the gospel could really finish there but now we have this epilogue and this epilogue really, you can see, is very, very precious to us. If there is an epilogue, of course, there must be a prologue, and the prologue is found in the first chapter. The first 14 verses really are a prologue to the whole of the gospel because these verses present the Lord Jesus in his pre-incarnation, that is, uh, his work before Bethlehem's manger. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So he is God from eternity past, God the Son. But um, in chapter 21, we have the prologue, and this is describing the event which followed after his resurrection from the dead and uh, some time before he ascended back into heaven. So after his resurrection, he was on earth for another 40 days, uh, 50 days after, Pentecost, after uh, Passover, the time of his crucifixion, was Pentecost. And so it was about 10 days before Pentecost that he ascended to glory. And so this is somewhere... Uh, certainly not in the first week because uh, that is recorded uh, further up with Thomas. But um, it seems that the disciples had not uh, had any contact with the Lord at all during this time and it seems from reading this that they must have been going through a time of being bewildered and wondering what's going on. And remember, these are the nucleus of the church. And yet it looked as if they may have been backsliding or going back to the old ways again. So just to read these verses once again, chapter 21 of John's Gospel from verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. 
It seems that Peter here is saying, I'm going back to the old business once again, back to what I can, what I'm good at and what I enjoy doing. I'm going fishing. And of course, if Peter was going to go fishing in these fishing boats, these were their livelihoods, he was going to need a crew. And so uh, the others said, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, that's about 90 metres, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. I like the authorised version, come and dine. There's a real sense of fellowship together. Come and dine. Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to them, Follow me. So our Lord's blessing be on the second reading of that scripture again this morning and, and give us a little more understanding. So we started on this uh, a couple of weeks ago 
and we began to look at the process of Peter's restoration because he acted impulsively in the spirit of the flesh instead of being spiritually led, not realising his own weakness. And so now the Lord in, in every gracious way that he could is going to restore this uh, beloved apostle, this disciple of his. And so um, uh, just to very quickly recap, we saw that they, uh, when Peter said, I'm going fishing, we're going with you, and immediately, no thought of uh, let's wait a while, let's wait till morning, let's wait till tomorrow, or, or, uh, or anything else like that, but immediately they got into the boat. And, uh, and to act so impulsively uh, will always be a mistake, and especially if it's in conflict with uh, what the claims that the Lord has upon us. And, uh, and so uh, the stages that the Lord is using to bring Peter back to himself, firstly, they went fishing. He was a professional fisherman. He knew where the fish were, where they were biting, where they would be filling the net. But that night they caught nothing. And so the Lord can remove that which would be so attractive to him to go fishing again. And then, um, well, in this, in this regard, we, we think of ourselves, how easy it is to go a day, a couple of days, several days without the Lord. We might go through the motions and yet our focus is not really on him. You know, where these questions to Peter later on would become very relevant. Do you love me? And, uh, and so uh, we could say with the hymn writer, there are times when we can say with the hymn writer, I tried the broken cisterns, Lord, but ah, the waters failed. Even as I stooped to drink, they'd fled, mocked me as I wailed. The Lord can take away that which, which would have attracted us away from him. And then, uh, and then the, they thought they saw a man on the shore and they thought it was a stranger. At least they didn't know who it was. Uh, perhaps it's a fish vendor coming there to see if there's a catch of fish that he could take to market and sell on their behalf. They didn't know who it was. And this person who at this particular time was a stranger, have you caught any fish or do you have any meat? Have you any food? Whatever the question was, the answer, no. And so uh, Peter has to come to a realisation of his own nothingness before the Lord. Now we saw the, the next, um, next stage of Peter's restoration when the Lord uh, called out, well, put in the net on the right side of the, feet, of the boat. And this time it just filled with fish. You see, our Lord is master of his creation. All things were made by him. Without him was nothing made that was made. He is the creator and he is the Lord of creation and he is, uh, he is powerful over uh, the fish in the sea 
it was God who, who prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. It was, uh, it was God who caused famine to come and rains to come. And so the Lord stopped fish when Peter was doing it in his own strength, but now the net uh, fills with fish. And so there's the miracle of, of the net being so full that they were struggling to haul it in. And John, with his discernment, it is the Lord, it is the Lord. And now Peter, uh, very, uh, I say this to his great credit, um, he thinks that I really must have time with the Lord alone. And so he wrapped his coat around him because he'd taken it off for the work of fishing and he did not want to appear before his Lord ashamed. And so he wrapped the coat around him. Leaving the others to haul in the fish, he plunged over the side and swam to the shore so that he could um, meet again with his Lord. And, and, and the desire to meet with the Lord, I'm sure then, was, was a desire implanted by the Saviour himself. But we come now to the third stage there, which we looked at the last time, when, when they came to shore with the fish. Uh, first of all, Peter was there on his own, and there was a fire, and a fish on the fire. The Lord did not use their fish. He said, bring the fish that you've, brought, uh, that you've caught, but he did not use their fish. The fish was already cooking and there was bread. And, uh, and we saw that, you know, memories would have come back. The other fire just a few weeks earlier that Peter was warming himself, the world's fire, and this resulted in his downfall. And then um, the bread and the fish reminding of the feeding of the 5,000 with a young lad's lunch, five barley loaves, two small fish. And then the gracious words of the Lord, come and dine, come and have fellowship. And so uh, moving on to that, that uh, Graham was focusing on this morning, um, from verse uh, 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Now to really understand uh, the process of his restoration, we need to just turn back a few uh, chapters here to chapter 13. A, a great amount of John's gospel actually occurred in one week and in fact a, a very large proportion of it in one, in one day, one night and day. Um, and, and this is the final week, chapters 13, 14, 15 and 16, the Lord is teaching them in the night that he was betrayed. Chapter 17 was his great high priestly prayer. And then come chapters 18 and 19, his arrest in the garden and uh, crucifixion and resurrection. But uh, in chapter 13, the Lord uh, had told them that he was going to go away. Uh, verse 36 of chapter 13, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? 
Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Now, I don't know if Peter heard another word as that would have hit him like a bolt. Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. And so Peter is there with the Lord and and possibly other memories are coming back as he sees the fire and he sees the fish on the fire. He may have been thinking of another event in the past, in the recent past, as in the previous three years involving a fish. This was a time when they were at Capernaum and the collectors of the tribute money, the temple tax, which was a voluntary uh, payment anyhow, but they came to Peter and they said, doesn't your master pay the tribute tax? And Peter, without thinking, blurts it out, yes, of course he does. What do you think he is, a heathen? You know, he didn't say that. He said, yes, of, yes, he does. And, uh, and, and, and so um, uh, Peter then goes into the house. The Lord hadn't been with an earshot, but the Lord knew what went on out there. And, and so the Lord asked him a question. Simon, of whom do the, the kings of this, uh, this land this, uh, uh, collect tribute? From their own family or from strangers? I'm paraphrasing this. And, uh, and Peter answered, well, of course, from strangers. And the Lord said, well, then the children are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend, take your line, go to the sea, cast it in, pull out a fish, and in its mouth you will find a coin. That coin, the value of that coin will be double the tribute money. You take it to those collectors of the tribute for me and for thee. What the Lord was saying to Peter is this. We are exempt from this tax because the temple is God's house of prayer for all nations. And, and remember, in the previous chapter, that is chapter 16 of Matthew's Gospel, which we've been reminded of this morning also. No, we haven't. It's, it's on the back of our news, news sheet for today. Um, how many have read the scripture passage on the back of that, where Peter, where the Lord asked the question, "Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am?" Oh, some say you're one of the prophets. Some say you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Who do you say that I am? And Peter made this forthright, brilliant affirmation: "Thou art the Christ, Son of the Living God." And so the Lord would now say, Peter, remember how you said, that this is with the tribute money, that I am the Christ, son of the living God. You're right, Peter, so I am. Therefore, we are exempt. Nevertheless, lest we offend, you take that coin, you pay tribute for me and for thee. One coin 
but linking both names with it. There were not two coins, there was one coin, but the Lord here linking his name with Peter's. Take that coin and pay the tax for me and for thee. And so now uh, here is Peter in John chapter 21 coming back to here in this time when the Lord is going to bring him to uh, restoration once again. And so we have that one, come and dine. Come and enjoy fellowship. Of course, in this 21st century, we don't prepare meals. We should do. Um, not, not, I'm sure mostly we do. But so often we can just go to a takeaway and just hand over some money over the counter and we've got our meal already um, made for us. And uh, But to come and dine involves preparation of the meal and therefore there is fellowship here and this is what the Lord was asking for with the disciples come and dine come and enjoy fellowship and um, I'm thinking of uh, other times when the Lord said come uh, in John chapter 1 for example uh, John the Baptist identified the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards them once again. And again, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. There were two of his disciples and they left John and they went and they were following Jesus. And they were, they were just uh, following on and uh, he turned, he said, what are you looking for? What do you want? And they replied, uh, Teacher, where do you live? And to them Jesus said, Come and see. Come and see. And later they abode with him because it was getting late in the day. Actually, the disciple Philip, later in the same chapter, used the same invitation, Come and see. This is where Philip uh, met Nathaniel. He said, we found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And cynical uh, Nathaniel said, Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, come and see. And so come and see from the Lord is to come and see. And uh, not forgetting, of course, Matthew chapter 11 Verses 28 to 30, Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So come and have rest. Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Come unto me and learn. And then he concludes, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And so it's a general call to come, uh, come uh, for, for all who are burdened, heavy laden, in need of rest. And there was another occasion too when it was just to the disciples where he said, come. Uh, this we see in Mark's Gospel um, where the disciples said, oh, look, we've been moving around, we've been uh, telling and uh, about uh, 
you know, the Messiah who is here and we've been so busy we haven't had time to eat. And, and the Lord said to them, come ye yourselves apart and rest a while. So once again, there is that, that delightful purpose. These disciples then were so busy in the Lord's work, but they were not expected to work themselves to death. And so come ye yourselves apart and rest a while. But now in this gracious chapter here, come and dine, come and enjoy fellowship with the Lord himself. And so then uh, we, ha we have a look at these questions that the Lord here has put to Peter. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, and once again the Lord's using Simon's old name, Simon. Remember in chapter 1 we saw that uh, when uh, Andrew brought Simon he, and the Lord said to him, you are Simon, uh, your name will be called Cephas, Peter, a rock. The Lord could see something steadying, something rock-like, something loyal or someone who would be loyal. But of course, there was still a lot of the old Peter in him still. And so Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And as Graham also said this morning, you know, as if, as if the Lord had, uh, might have swept his arm around the lake, the boats, the fish. Do you love me more than these? Or was he talking about the other disciples? Do you love me more than these do? Uh, and uh, I stand with Graham. I don't know. But um, uh, do you love me more than these? And he, Peter, said to the Lord, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And the Lord said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spake, signifying by what death he, Peter, would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. And so because the Lord had denied, sorry, because Peter had denied his Lord those three times, then the question comes three times, do you love me? And uh, you, you read the commentaries and you find out that there is something of a play on words here because the word love has uh, several words in the original language, the uh, Greek of the New Testament in which it was written. Uh, and here we have the one word love, whereas the Lord used one word, Peter used one word in those first two questions. The Lord said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me with a deep love of God? It was the same love 
of John 3.16 and other places. Uh, it is a sacrificial love, a really devotional love which would stand till the end. And Peter replied with a lesser value love. He said, yes, Lord, you know that I'm fond of you. Something like that. The Lord's love was, if we could say, 100%. And the word that Peter used was less than that. We'll say 80%. Simon, do you love me with 100% love? Lord, you know I love you with an 80% love. Uh, of course, he wouldn't have framed it like that, but this gives you the idea of the change. The, the Lord used the verb of agape, love, which is agapeo. Peter used the word phileo, or philo, uh, abbreviated. Um, Philadelphia means brotherly love. So that, that might give you a concept of brotherly love. That's the love that I have for your Lord, phileo love. And, uh, and so the second time, once again, the Lord said, do you love me with that deep, sacrificial, all-embracing love? Yes, Lord, you know that I like you. I have a brotherly love towards you. And the first time uh, when Peter replied, the Lord said to him, Feed my lambs. Now, the lambs, I suppose, would be the children. And the Lord's heart was always toward the children, and so should ours be, because they are precious to him. I heard of, this is many, many years ago, and I've um, uh, the, the memory is somewhat faded, but uh, I heard many years ago of an evangelist, he'd uh, preached the gospel on an occasion. Someone asked him, what was the response from your preaching? Was there any response? He said, oh, yes, uh, there were three and a half who professed salvation. Three and a half. Three and a half. Oh, three adults and a child. No, three children, one adult. And, uh, and so we see that children are really precious to the Lord, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Feed my lambs. And so then he asked, he asked uh, Simon the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I am fond of you. This time uh, it's not feed my sheep, but tend my sheep, shepherd my sheep. Uh, just just a slight, it might be just a difference in style, but uh, this time it is shepherd my sheep. And the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, this time the Lord comes down to Peter's level. Peter, do you have a fondness, an affectionate brotherly love towards me? And Peter replied, yes. It seems that the Lord knew that Peter was not yet ready to make that commitment of deep emotional love. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> uh, when you come to his, his epistles, of course, uh, whom having not seen, we love. And to us who believe he is precious, you can see that the message did get through and uh, Peter was able to uh, respond to that love in like manner. 
But, um, but until then, the Lord came down to Peter's level. Are you fond of me? And Peter replied in the same. And uh, just one other thing as I close here, and, and th this is for those, who, those of us who are, are leaders here. See the words of the Lord Jesus himself. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. One thing that we, I'm speaking to myself here, we must never lose sight of. And the flock of God is God's flock. They are his sheep, not our sheep. And so uh, when Peter, writing his first epistle in chapter 5, uh, the opening verses there, he said, The elders among you I exhort, we have to feed the flock of God. Uh, when Paul called the Ephesian elders down to Miletus and uh, he told them how uh, that they would see his face no more but after his departure ravenous wolves would come in, in the, in the, um, uh, within the church and, and uh, disrupt it, destroy it and, uh, and make havoc of it. And so um, Paul uh, was uh, giving words to the, to the elders of the Ephesian church. Just turn over to Acts chapter 20 and, and read his words here. Coming to verse, read from verse uh, 25. Indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I've gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves. He's speaking to the elders here. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. These are God's people. You folk are the Lord's people. And we must not lord it over you, over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, speaking to the elders, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know, that th I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. And so there is a great responsibility on those who would be in any way leaders in the church, but remembering also not only is the church the flock of God, but care for the lambs. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs in his arm, tenderly lead those that are with young. And so the children are just as precious to the Lord as the rest of us, no matter what our achievements might be. Father, we give you thanks for the precious word of God. We thank you, Father, for the, the, the graciousness of our Lord Jesus, the one who is ever ready to forgive, to draw us back to the fold, 
on those occasions when our love for the Lord does lapse. And so we do pray that we may take these things that are recorded in the scripture and that we may seek to walk a closer walk with the Lord so as to be able to say at all times, Lord Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. And so, Lord, we go forth with hearts filled with love and praise for our Saviour this morning. We pray you take us to our homes in safety. Be with us until the Lord Jesus calls us home or comes again. And we, we uh, ask all of these things, returning thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.